Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast, helping you invest in property for freedom, choice, and profit. You'll learn new, innovative, and multiple streams of property income, whether you want to start, scale, or systemize, and even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here, and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In this week's episode of the podcast, I thought it would really help people if I talked through how you can find your perfect tenant. A lot of people will use letting agents directly to find their tenants. However, there is a lot of people who listen in on the podcast who want to find their own tenants. Maybe you currently use letting agents, but maybe you want to have the option to start to find tenants directly yourself. If you are thinking about finding your own tenants, then there are some things that you need to be aware of and some things you need to look out for. So to make sure that you find the very best tenants and don't give your property to somebody who's going to cause you problems down the line. Let's start with the mistakes. One of the big mistakes I see people make, and this isn't just private individuals, this is also letting agents themselves, is that they only rely on referencing. If you're just relying on a referencing check of a tenant, then this can leave you open to problems. You see, the thing is, anybody who's ever been a landlord for a significant amount of time, like myself, will know that quite often tenants may pass a referencing check, but that's only because their previous landlords never raised a county court judgment against them or never put an attachment to earnings against them for when they left a property owing rent or having caused any damage to that property. Now, why would a landlord not do that? It's really simple, to be honest. So a landlord's main focus when they've got a problem tenant is getting their tenant out and getting their property back. Once they do this, they don't necessarily always then take the tenant to court. If they can get the the property back without taking the tenant to court, they will. Then there's no need to take the tenant to court unless it was to get their rent arrears back. Now, most landlords that have ever took a tenant to court will know that they could even win the court case and have an attachment of earnings put against the tenant and still never get their rent arrears back. It's just some tenants, they can't afford to make the payments, so they don't ever pay. Landlords just often cut their losses, move on, get their property taken care of and improved and got back on the rental market to relet. But that's bad news for you Because if you're going to take on the very tenant that's caused them problems, that's left them in rent arrears, and you do a credit check, whether that be directly yourself or or you get a letting agent to do the credit check for you, that credit check is not going to show up any problems. It's just going to show the tenant looks like a good tenant. So although I don't recommend not doing credit checks, I absolutely recommend you do a credit check. I don't believe it's the only thing you should do. There is other things that you definitely need to be doing to make sure that you get the very best tenant that will pay and look after your property. So what should you do to find the very best tenants? Well, let's start initially with how you advertise and market for your property. It all starts with the listing of the property. Make sure that you have got very good pictures. Now, you could take photographs yourself. You could use a really good iPhone or you could get a photographer to take the pictures. 
It doesn't just have to be an iPhone, by the way. Samsung's Galaxies, they work perfectly as well. Although I just prefer the iPhone. If you are taking your own pictures, make sure that there's good lighting. Make sure the picture speaks a thousand words. Make sure the picture is clear and shows your room in the best possible light or shows your property in the best possible light. Get a wide angle lens if possible. It will always make the room look bigger, look brighter. Your photos are crucial for the success of your ad. They are the thing that people look at first. If they aren't attractive, then you've lost them right at the start before they ever pick up the phone to view your property. Make sure that when you're taking a picture that all clutter is removed from the picture. Keep things minimalistic. Keep it really simple. Keep it as clear as possible. If people look at a room and it looks messy, it looks full of clutter, then they're going to picture that that's what the home is like. People don't tend to see past a photograph. They don't look at it and how it could be. They just look at it at how it is. But it's not just about the photographs. Make sure also that the text in the written description of your property is something that's appealing to a tenant. Always include a number of bullet points to show the key selling points of your property. Things like recently redecorated or refurbished. Things like lots of storage space. Maybe if there's an ensuite bathroom, highlight it in your ad. If there's parking, if it's a garage, if it's off-road parking, what type of parking there is, make it very clear in your advert. If it's a multi-let property, include things like, you know, if you are offering satellite TV or high-speed fibre broadband, if the bills are included in the rent or not, or what is paid directly by the landlord and what's going to be paid by the tenant. What are the fees? Is there any fees to set up? Obviously now, with the tenant fee ban, you shouldn't be charging any fees whatsoever. So make sure that it's very clear in the advert that there is no tenant fees when they're moving into the property, as a lot of tenants don't yet know that there is a tenant fee ban. Other things to make sure are very clear in your advert is when will the property or the room be available? How many rooms does it have in the property if it is a multi-let So is it a four-bedroom house with your individually renting four rooms out? Or is it a 12-bed house with 12 individual rooms? Is there en-suites in every room? Or is there just a couple of shared bathrooms? So don't leave anything up to the perception of the tenant. Make it very clear what you are providing. Right down to the furnishings. Is it furnished? Is it unfurnished? The type of windows, the type of heating. Get it all included in the ad so people can start to think and feel as if they're living in that property. An example, beautiful and spacious three-bed family home, bathroom, wash, centre, kitchen and family-sized lounge, all fully furnished and double-glazed. 15 minutes walk from the local tube station. Inside the catchment area for the best school in town. Ideal for commuters, etc. And the date that it's available from. So just to recap, things that really should be included in your advert would be the detailed description of the property. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. 
We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. detailed description of the local area, any transport links that are nearby, the type of person the property is ideal for. If you already have your ideal tenant in mind, then portray that ideal tenant as the perfect type of tenant for your property. Anything that you can think of that comes included with the rent, like the bills, etc. Make sure that it's highlighted in the ad so people can see. And always include a copy of the Energy Performance Certificate as this is something that's a legal requirement now for any rental property to make sure that it is at least an E rating. So now that you've got what to say in your advert, now it's where do I put my advert? So if it's a roomlet property, one of the best websites to place your ad on is Spare Room. But don't only put it on Spare Room because the thing about Spare Room is only people that know Spare Room exists knows that that website's there. So you could also advertise locally. You could advertise in sort of shop windows. You could advertise in the local newspapers. But also there's other websites as well as Spare Room. There's websites like Open Rent where you can advertise your property online. You could even use Zoopla or Rightmove. Now, access to websites like Zoopla and Rightmove are expensive. Typically, agents pay hundreds of pounds a month just to have a subscription. But there are people that you could speak to, and some of them are in the Progressive Property Facebook community, they, where you could have your advert placed on their spare room or right move or Zoopla account, and they just charge you a small little fee for placing your property on that site for you. We've got access to all the major portals within my own lettings business, and we do this for some people. One of the best ways to get really good tenants is through recommendations from current tenants. If you have got current tenants and they are good tenants, ask them to refer or recommend other tenants and pay them for any recommendation they give you. Good tenants will generally always only recommend other good tenants. They're not going to want to recommend somebody to you who is going to cause problems because it doesn't just cause you problems, but they feel like they're the one that's initiated the problem in the, in the first place. So getting recommendations from current tenants is a really great way to ensure that you get a better quality tenant. So you've created your advertisement, you've got your advert out onto some of the online portals and to some local marketing. You've had some recommendations from potential tenants from other current tenants of yours. Now it moves on to the stage of who do you choose? How do you pick the right one from all the people who apply? So as I said at the start, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is just to rely on referencing. You absolutely should reference a tenant, but here are some other things that you should do to make sure that you get the very best tenant. Speak to a previous landlord. Now, not their current landlord. Their current landlord, even though legally you're meant to give a proper, honest reference, a current landlord who has a tenant that might not be the best 
they may not share everything about the situation with that tenant because maybe they have a vested interest in that tenant leaving their property and moving into yours. You should always speak to a previous landlord who is not the current landlord. So their second or third last landlord. That landlord has got no vested interest in the tenant anymore and will give you an honest appraisal of what that tenant was like. You can also use Facebook. Facebook is a great place for finding out what a tenant is like. Imagine you get a call from a potential tenant and on the phone you ask them, do you smoke? And they say no. Or do you have any pets? And they say no. And what's your current property like? And they say, oh, my partner, they've got OCD. My property is brilliant. It's really clean. It's always been looked after. It's always tidy. Then you go on their Facebook profile and you see they're sitting down, feet up on the sofa, smoking three cigarettes at once. They've got six pets. They've got two cats, two dogs, a gerbil and another one or whatever type of pet the other one may be. They've got a a cow. They've got loads of pets. The cow is in the sitting room. They've got lots of pets all over the property. Everywhere you look in the picture, there is pets. They say they're going to be living alone. In the photograph, there's about 25 people. Maybe it's a party, but it's in their house. They're showing within their Facebook how they really live their lives. Facebook is a brilliant place for you to check out a tenant and see what it is that your property is likely to be used for and in what sort of way it's likely to be used and what the real type of tenant is. You can also look down through people's Facebook posts and maybe you'll see posts written from a few months ago or a few weeks ago asking if anybody knows any private landlords who's looking for a house to let because their current landlord might be kicking them out for some reason. People post everything about their lives on Facebook. It's a really, really great place where you can get an insight into a person that is much, much better and much more powerful than just a credit check that doesn't show up the true picture. When the person comes to view the property, one thing I always, always rely on, no matter what else, is my gut feeling. You will have a gut feeling about a tenant. And many times where I've had a gut feeling and I've had some paperwork to look at and some references and other things, and I thought, well, my gut says no, but everything looks pretty good on paper. Any time, almost all the time, when I've gone with the paperwork and gone against my gut, I've regretted it. Your gut feeling is your gut feeling for a reason. And if something smells wrong, then it's likely that something may be wrong. I would always say 70% of the time, 80% of the time even, you want to go with your gut, if not all the time. When you are speaking to the person in the house to help build that gut feeling about them, one of the things you really want to do is ask them as many questions as possible and give them an opportunity to answer the questions. You want to find out a little bit about their reasons why they're moving. So why do they want your house? Where are they currently living? Why are they leaving their current property? What type of job have they got? Are they full-time employed, part-time employed? What do they do? How many people are going to be living with them? Ask as many questions as possible and really, really listen and hear their answers because it'll tell you a lot about whether you think this person is the right person or not. Some of the things to really watch out for with a tenant when they ring up asking to view your property is if they say things on the phone like, do you take deposits? Or could we pay six months rent upfront? Or do we need references? If a tenant is asking you, do they need references? Or do you take deposits? A red flag should be highlighted immediately. 
because that tenant is highlighting to you that they're worried about paying a deposit to you or taking a are you taking a reference. If they're a good tenant, there should be no reason why they'd be worried about you doing a reference check. They shouldn't be wanting to ask that question. It kind of highlights that maybe there's a problem under the surface. Asking if you'll pay six months up front is something that maybe you want to be careful of because it seems, wow, what a great opportunity. I get six months rent up front. But generally, people that want six months rent up front, there may be other underlying issues. Maybe they're not going to be using the property for the way you had hoped. Maybe they're not really going to be the tenant. Maybe there's something untoward going on and you want to delve a little bit deeper and find out because most tenants won't offer to pay six months rent up front. It's a completely different scenario if you're asking for the money, but if they're requesting to pay it up front at the start, then it should raise another red flag. So if you do decide that this tenant is somebody you want to move ahead with, one of the other things you must get, as well as referencing and as well as checking them out online and things, is bank statements. Don't just get a copy of their previous tenancy agreement showing what they could afford. Get them to give you a printout of their last six months bank statements where you can physically see the rent money move from their account to the landlord or letting agent's account to show that they have paid it and check the date. Make sure that it was paid on time every month and don't just look at the bank statement on its own. Make sure that you cross-reference and cross-check their bank statement with their tenancy agreement because the date on their tenancy agreement should match the date the payment leaves on their bank statement. Sometimes when we do this check, the money goes out of the bank account one, two weeks late every month. So always check the two to make sure that they correlate with each other. So once you've checked the bank statements, it gets to the stage where you're ready to take the tenant on and get them signed up to your tenancy agreement. Always, always, always ensure that you get a guarantor as well. Now, don't pick a guarantor that is in the same financial situation as your tenant. Make sure you're getting a guarantor who is in a better financial situation. Somebody where if the tenant cannot pay, the guarantor is a person that you can chase knowing that they're in a position to be able to pay. Often people will use a guarantor who maybe is self-employed or has their own company, thinking that that's a great thing. But in today's world, we know that companies, no matter what size, they can go bankrupt quite easily. So it is much, much better to pick a guarantor who is a person and not a company. So you're not affected by the company's limited liability. And finally, deposits. Always make sure that you take a deposit from a tenant. When you take the deposit, you've got choices. You've got to either lodge it in a tenancy deposit scheme, the schemes like the Deposit Protection Service, or you can have it in what's called an insured scheme where you can hold the money yourself but pay a little bit to the insured tenancy scheme to cover the deposit. Either way, you've got to make sure that you do take a deposit. Sometimes tenants will ask if they can pay a little bit extra rent instead of a deposit. This can work quite well in some scenarios, especially if you're doing multi-let properties. And quite often we will use a little bit extra rent every week instead of a deposit. And the reason it works well on multi-let properties is because you've got shared accommodation, shared kitchens, shared bathrooms, um, shared sitting rooms, shared communal areas. And if there's any damage or anything goes wrong in one of those areas, 
of a property that's shared, it's very difficult to pinpoint down to exactly which tenant caused the damage. So by taking a little bit of money extra each week from a tenant, instead of taking a deposit, then that money is non-refundable and can be used towards any damage that may be caused in the property. The only downside of doing that is that you forget in your head that this is over and above the typical rent that you would otherwise have charged for the property. For example, you'd normally rent a room out for £100 a week, but you move a tenant in at 110 with no deposit. You start to not... With it, you start within about six or seven months to get used to receiving 110 a week and you don't start to allocate that extra £10 into a separate bank account for the rainy day where some repairs are needed. Then the tenant leaves, they've caused some damage, you don't have any actual deposit money, but maybe you've saved up 52 weeks of £10 a week, so you've got £520. The, the damage, maybe it's only £400 and you've got enough money saved from the extra £10 a week to cover that damage. However, you never put the money to one side and you never kept the money, meaning that you've got used to receiving the 110 a week, you've spent the 110 a week and now you've got problems to sort out and you don't have a deposit to actually fix the problems. So if you are taking a little bit extra rent every week in exchange for a deposit... That money is seen as rent in the eyes of the HMRC. That money is seen as rent in the eyes of the tenancy deposit schemes. But make sure that you see it as money that is put to one side for when any repairs are needed. Because it's very easy to lose track of time, to not allocate the money for what it was initially meant for, and you end up with a repair bill or some bills to pay in 12 months' time, and you don't have the funds to cover it because you forgot that what you initially set out to do was make that extra money a deposit and you just started to get used to it being extra rent. The other drawback that you need to be aware of if you are going to take extra rent every week instead of a deposit is the mindset of the tenant. The tenant will see it as rent and not deposit and so they don't have any accountability for ensuring that your property is kept in good condition or they could just leave without telling you because they don't have a deposit that they're hoping to get back. Look after your property to make sure that they get it back. So that is something you also need to be aware of. And another reason why if you are going to go down the route of not taking a deposit, you need to make sure that you are charging a little bit over market rent and you are putting that money to one side. So just to recap, how to find your perfect tenant. It all starts off with the advertising. Make sure that you've got a very, very good listing for your property. Make sure you've got clear photos. Make sure you've got a really good description of what the property is and what the benefits, the features and the benefits of your property are over somebody else's. Secondly, don't just rely on referencing. Referencing never tell enough. Many people get caught out because they just did a referencing check and the referencing check didn't show up the history of the tenant. Number three, Speak to previous landlords and check tenants out on places like Facebook. Get recommendations from other tenants because you're more likely to get a very good tenant. Number four, go with your gut feel. Your gut feel will typically always be right. Number five, bank statements. Always check the previous six months bank statements for the tenant who's applying for your property and make sure that you see the rent on those bank statements leaving their bank account and going to the letting agent or landlord's account. 
and cross-check that bank statement against their tenancy agreement to make sure the dates align. Number six, always get a guarantor. And finally, number seven, make sure you take a deposit. And if you're not taking a deposit, make sure you do get above market rent. Hopefully you found this of help in terms of what to do to find a perfect tenant. They are all of the stuff that I use in our business and I teach my staff to use in our lettings business on a day-to-day basis to ensure that we get the highest quality tenant possible. If you've enjoyed the podcast, remember that we're on iTunes and Stitcher. We're out every Tuesday, so tune in, make sure you've subscribed and also make sure you subscribe to the Progressive Property YouTube channel where there's lots more property content for you to follow. A new show that's just been launched on the Progressive Property YouTube channel is the Property News Show with Mark Homer. That is every Friday at 6pm. So it's definitely something you want to be watching. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Kevin McDonnell. You've been awesome.